One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 121. Today's episode is all about one of my most favorite topics, creativity. My guest for today's episode is Dr. Marion Piper, an incredible copywriter, coach, and thinker on the topic of creativity. If you've ever wanted more creativity in your life, tried to start a creative practice but didn't stick to it, or struggled to even consider yourself a creative person, this episode is for you. Let me tell you a little bit more about Marian. Dr. Marian Piper is a copywriter and creativity coach obsessed with exploring what it means to live a truly creative life. She inspires ambitious go-getters to cultivate and rediscover their innate creativity so they can build businesses and lives that are authentically their own. When she's not riding up a storm, you can find her on her yoga mat or when the world allows globetrotting. In our episode, we discussed what creativity can do for us besides just making something to sell, how innate creativity is to humans, what a creative moment is, and how we can fill our lives with them, creativity is a form of problem solving, how to finish a creative project, and so much more. I felt so energized and excited to just make something for the sake of it after recording this episode, and I know you will love it as much as I did. Here's our conversation. Marianne, welcome to the podcast. Oh, my lordy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I think you're our, the first Australian accent to be on the show. So it was a matter of time. And it's, I'm only sorry it's taken 118 episodes. Um, <laughs> today, we are talking about creativity, which is such a big and interesting topic. And I love that it is kind of what you center your whole work around. So Before I dig into all of my questions and we just see where the conversation takes us, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and maybe share a little bit about your story and your path. I know that you are actually a doctor, so talk about what (laughs) what your area of expertise is there a little bit and then what you do now. Absolutely. So I am a copywriter and a creativity coach. And I've been uh, running my own business for the last two and a half years, um, as was the case with a lot of people, um, started my business pretty much at the start, just, just before the pandemic hit. So <laughs> it's, been, it's been a really interesting experience yeah. uh, navigating, navigating that and creating in such a unique environment. Um, but before that, I worked in creative agencies, um, in a whole range of different creative agencies, both overseas and here in Australia. Um, but, uh, and at simultaneously at, at the same time, uh, because I'm a 
total type A overachiever. (laughs) Um, I also went all the way through academia and I did undergrad, I did an honors year, I did a master's in writing, and then I um, cherry on top was my PhD, which I finished in 2017. So Mm. needless to say, uh, I've got a really bizarre career um, that kind of traverses (laughs) a a few different a few different terrains um, and really uh, the last, I've been sitting on um, a lot of my research around creativity for the last sort of four four to five years, um, just waiting patiently for it to be the right time for me to start really diving into this work. Um, so in a way, I'm very grateful to the pandemic because the second it hit, I knew without a doubt that in sort of two to three years, once we get through the I suppose the trauma of it uh that that I would be able to have something that would be really useful to people who are navigating what happens after a collective trauma mm-hmm. yeah oh, I'm so excited to dig into all of this <laughs> what co- kind of work do you do now so you said you're a copywriter and you're a creativity coach but what kinds of projects do you work on and what kind of clients do you work with yeah, yeah. Um, good question. I um, when I when I started my business, I was just solely doing copywriting because that was my bread and butter. And so part of that process was really starting at the top of the funnel and working my way down and narrowing and refining. You know who I wanted to work with, um, who, what kinds of uh, projects that I was really passionate about. Um, and so I've worked now I work with um, purpose driven brands specifically uh, that deal with creativity. So they could be a creative agency. They could be a brand that is about creativity or about art making. Um, and then on the other side, uh, I like to work with mental health brands. And so the kinds of projects I tend to work on, I do a lot of blogging because the academic in me absolutely loves uh, long form copywriting. But then mm-hmm. I also do website projects, um, so website copy and the like. Uh, but the one thing that I'm starting to roll in more is how can we, how can I make the copywriting process more collaborative um, for the people who really want to learn and who are as passionate about words and language that I am. So I have um, a couple of collaborative workshops that I've been running out. One of them is called the Write Words Workshop and Write is spelled W-R-I-T-E, which is mm-hmm. essentially a 90-minute workshop where uh, we take existing copy and we finish it because one of the things that I observed a lot, uh, particularly with solopreneurs um, and small teams, is that they um, everybody has no problem starting all these uh, copywriting projects, but they get to a point and they get blocked or something else happens in the business that takes them away from it. And so we often have a lot of these hanging energy threads when it comes to our copy. Um, when really mm. all, all you really need to set aside is about a 90 minutes to two hours and it'll actually be done. <laughs> but we build mm-hmm. it up in our heads as this, you know, this big thing that that just looms over us and I'll get to it when, you know, there's not as much client work. But actually you have to prioritise yourself um, and your own create creative passions and projects uh, because that will actually make you more likely to do better client work. And so that's also something we can talk about, about uh how we can do creativity for ourselves first. But um, yeah, so my look at the moment, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And mm-hmm. on the creativity coaching side of things, I've been doing one-off sessions with people and three-month packages with people where essentially, um, you know, you might 
be trying to build something new or trying to take an idea out of your head and put it into the world. And at some point during your creative process, you've hit a roadblock or maybe you're not quite sure um, and you need some accountability to get it done. Um, Mm Because oftentimes I find a lot of the coaches out there, they'll focus on, you know, you've got life coaches that focus on your life. You've got business coaches that focus on your business. A creativity coach helps you focus on your ideas about validating Mm. them, bringing them to life, um, and then also figuring out um, your relationship to your own creative practice and about how you can use that um, to generate energy um, and sort of build momentum with what you're trying to bring to life in the world. So that's kind of where Mm. I'm at at the moment. Um, And I'm also putting together a course that I can take people through because there's lots of really interesting things. When we start thinking about creativity as not something that's solely uh, attached to artistry. So the kind of creativity I talk about is really about um, the process. It's a process of practice and a product. And so it's how um, it's essentially like how I view the world. And so if we can think about or approach life and business from that perspective, um, it just opens up more possibilities for what you can actually create. Um, and it becomes less about talent um, and more about skill and creative thinking. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting that you said that your work is about acknowledging that creativity is about more than just artistry. I think that's um, that's really like a food for thought moment for me. I think mm. as a lot of the listeners of this podcast are small business owners, a lot of them product-based small business owners, um, but also some like service providers where I think it's really easy, maybe not really easy, but it's a little more intuitive to see how creativity is useful in that sense, because it's like, oh, my creativity helps me, you know, paint something that I can sell mm. or design a new pair of earrings. But I would love to just explore with you, like, what else can creativity do for us other than create like a product? Like, like you said, like, what are these other yeah. purposes of creativity? Yeah. Oh, I love this question so much. (laughs) Um, So um, first and foremost, um, what I would love everyone to do that's listening um, is just entertain, if you don't already, this belief that you are already inherently creative. You actually don't have to do anything else to possess that power because as human beings, it's so innate for us to create. Like if you look around the entire world around you right now, even the room that you're sitting in, um, it's been created by something or someone, right? So we, as, as humans, we've had a hand in creating our world. And as people, um, we are directly responsible for creating our lives and for um, envisaging and using our imagination um, to paint a picture of how we want to exist and live in the world. So um, fundamentally, I think um, the problem has been is that we have we take it for granted because it's so innate. It's something that we mm-hmm. often do without even thinking from the outfit that we choose in the morning to um, the, the, the food and the recipes that we cook to um, I don't know, even if you're even if you're someone who's an electrician and you the way the particular way that you wire together a house, you know, all of these mm-hmm. are creative moments. Um, but what and, and I think artistry obviously is very important. It's how we interpret the world and it's how we express ourselves, but it's also artistry is, helps us make meaning of the world, which is really sens- essential to the creative process. 
But for me, where I find creativity most interesting is when it's used as a form of self-care. Um, and you can mm-hmm. use um, you can use uh, the art based creativity as a form of self care, but we can also use um, creative thinking, which is this process, this organic process of connecting the dots, um, in order to bring together maybe some things that don't normally go together in really interesting and exciting ways. Um, and so my I guess you call it my life mantra or my north star, however you want to paint it, but. The question that I ask myself every single day is, is what, it, what can I do today to live a truly creative life? How am I, how am I approaching my work? Um, how I am, am I approaching my relationships um, as creative moments? And I think when we just have a slight shift in that perspective, um, it gives us the opportunity um, to not just run on autopilot, but to be a little bit more intentional, to call in a little bit more presence um, so that we can really make progress and and see our our goals and our dreams and that vision we have for our for our lives come to fruition um and you know self-care uh is I really define that is like how do you care for yourself um so it's like thinking about um all the things that make you happy all the things that bring you joy that give you energy um and and using um your creative brain to problem solve around that so this is the other thing that creativity, um, particularly I think in business um, and in this idea of innovation, right, which bleh, I hate that word, but if we think about um, <laughs> creativity as just a form of problem solving, you know, it becomes a very powerful tool, particularly if you are a small business owner because oftentimes it might just be you there, right? And so we can start to think right. about um all the different things that could be possible. And that is a way of creative thinking. So if you have a particular problem that you're trying to solve, whether it's, you know, get more clients or, um, you know, get more brand awareness, you know, looking at those things, not just in isolation, but also looking externally to say, who out there is doing something that I'm really interested in or that works for me? How can I take that idea um, and maybe um, put my own spin on it um, and then try it in my business because um, essentially too, the, one of the biggest, um, there's two really big parts of the creative process that I think people get really scared of, which is one, this idea of experimentation, um, which is also tied mm-hmm. to this idea of failure. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, especially in business, like if we, if we want to make the world a better place, we're going to have to try a lot of different ideas, a lot of different angles and, and nine times out of 10, they're not going to work. And so I think, um, you know, we've been set up in a culture that really um, has instilled a lot of fear around failure, um, but also there's a lot of fear around experimentation and play because play is often associated with kids. And as we get older, um, you know, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, you know, we get stuck in that nine to five routine and then play is deprioritized um, because it's not given the same value as productivity. So I think mm-hmm. there's, I mean, there's a lot of things in there that I've just sort of spat out at you, but essentially what it comes down to is if we don't use creativity for artistry and to develop those skills, we can use it as a process um, and a practice. And so what I mean by that is like dedicating time um, to, and, you know, it might only be a half hour a day, it could be an hour a day, 
where you just sit down and and you let your brain dream or you let your brain play and you think about, um, you know, if you're thinking about your marketing and your words, like going back and looking at your website and going, oh, like if I maybe what if I just tried this word instead of this word, you know, and I think getting down into the weeds with your creativity um, and turning it into a practice where every day you dedicate some time to just look at things a little differently Um, That's a really, really powerful um, tool and our brains love it. Our brains love to be expanded. They're constantly looking Mm -hmm. for new things to to grab onto. Um, And if you do that every single day, like could you imagine what you could create and and the possibilities and just the the different things that you'd be able to think of um, in that time alone? So self-care, practice, process. Awesome. One thing you said, which I wrote down word for word because I wanted to make sure to ask you to dig into it more, is how am I approaching my life and relationships as creative moments? Mm. Can you just say more about that? Because that really intrigues me. Yeah, yeah. So um, what I mean by the creative moment is that I'm really hinting at this idea of flow, um, which I'm not sure. Are you aware of the concept of flow? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was basically coined by this Hungarian psychologist named Mihai Chick sent Mihai, best name. And um, (laughs) essentially, flow is that state where you lose track of time, you're completely immersed in what you're doing. um, And, you know, it's it's, it's really, really great uh, state for coming up with new ideas. It's for working through things that are challenging. And there really is a sweet spot, right? There is a a sweet spot for flow where the activity needs to be at a certain level of challenge, but you also need to have a certain level of skill to match it. And so it's a bit of a Venn diagram there. And it's different for everybody depending on your experience. And so when I think about like what is a creative moment, it's really those times when you're in flow. And the biggest enemy of flow is distraction. And so um, mm. I, I like to I like to remind myself all the time when I'm doing an activity, it's like, how can I um, how can I eliminate as many distractions as possible to give myself the best chance at flow? Because um, because also flow like there's there's been a whole bunch of research around, um, particularly around athletes and like musicians, um, that it's this particular way. There's like a particular brainwave state uh, that's really really great for your body. It's great for your mental health. It's great for your overall well being. And so um, Mm -hmm. what I love about thinking about the creative moment as a moment of flow, particularly in the context of my life and relationships, particularly my relationships, actually, um, because, you know, you meet up with friends for dinner, like everybody's on their phone, like there's so many things going on, distracted. You might just be having the same conversations over and over and over again. Um, It gets a bit Mm -hmm. tiresome and it's actually really draining. But if you start to think about it as like, what can I create in this little moment that we have here in this container that we've created, even if it is a group dinner, um, I like to think, okay, like what questions haven't I asked these people? What what don't I know about you? Um, maybe I'm going to order something completely opposite to what I order um, normally, you know? And so it just gives you, mm-hmm. it gives you the opportunity to do things differently. And I think um, particularly when we are running a business and we have to make so many decisions on the day-to-day, oftentimes on the fly, we forget that that's actually 
there's actually a whole other part of our lives, like 75% of our lives is still going on. And um, often we will leave whatever is left to those parts of our lives. So our partners, our friends, our family, but I really want to be an advocate for um, how can we bring in more flow into the other parts of our lives um, by being more intentional around how can this experience that is quite mundane and normal, how could I make it new and exciting? Um, Because that's also what uh, helps us to grow as people, right? It's when we push ourselves. It's when we challenge ourselves. It's when we, it's when we dare to ask the question. It's when we dare to have that conversation Um, And that also, Mm -hmm. I think if you are focusing on that in the other parts of your life, it will, it will easily translate into your business. So I think, uh, I mean, I know I'm guilty of this is that I I put so much emphasis on my business and my work um, as the thing that always has to push and challenge me, but I'm like, actually, no, I can, I can practice these other creative moments outside of that um, and then find a way to apply that to the work that I do. So good. (laughs) Um, I also love that you mentioned the idea of play. Mm. That's something that I'm, I've gotten really interested in as a new parent because in reading about like kids and brain development and all of that kind of thing. One thing I've been learning is that one of the most effective ways to learn, like scientifically proven is to let like basically kids learn best through play because you play when you're like, interested and like like you say maybe in a flow state about something and that's how we learn best so I've been thinking about this with my kid like trying to figure out how do I raise a kid who is just constantly playing and like you know learns that way how Mm. does that apply to like adults like you know I like you say I think that the kind of instincts to play gets kind of beat out of us in a certain way as we get older and we learn to follow the rules and sit still and, Mm. you know, do our times tables and whatever it is. Um, how, how can we bring some of that play back in? Like what if someone's sitting listening and thinking, okay, like maybe I want to bring some play into my work, into my business or my relationship, whatever it is, like, what would be, where would you suggest that people start with that? Oh yeah. It's, and that's such, I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? And I think this is what, (laughs) this is what corporate businesses have been trying to solve um, for forever, basically. Right. It's like, how can we, um, how can we have people who um, are able to bring their, their best, most creative selves to work um, so that we can um, continue to move forward and grow and adapt and, and um, change the world, right? Um, but I think it starts, um, and, you know, I'm going to go, I'll go right back to the foundations. It's like you have to get to know yourself. I think so often, mm. I mean, you can Google, like, how do I do more play in my life? And it'll come up with, you know, probably like a thousand different ways that you can do that. But ultimately it starts with you and it starts with getting to know um, the things that light you up and it's paying attention to how you feel when you're out there in the world. Um, and so for some people, because one play activity for someone might be a nightmare for someone else. Like you might mm. you might enjoy, um, you know, and I know you do, like painting and watercolours, but for someone else they might be like, oh, my God, that's my worst nightmare because I don't know how to paint, <laughs> right? Um, but for you that's mm-hmm. playful and it's fun. You can experiment. So I think part of it is like making a list of things that you love to do and, um it's even little things like, like if you enjoy cooking, like, could you try a different recipe? Could you go to a cooking class? Could you watch a documentary on cooking? 
Um, and then actually like, or, or, you know, maybe you set yourself a little challenge where you're like, you know, a la MasterChef style where you're like, I have like five ingredients and I have to make something uh, with that without looking at a recipe. So as adults, we, I think our play, and I mean, this is probably true for kids too. Um, we do need some amount of structure in order to feel free. So I think a lot of it mm-hmm. is about putting some constraints around the activity that you're doing. So for example, um, and you know, every game has this, every game has constraints. So I think um, maybe the first question you could ask yourself was like, what did I enjoy to do when I was a kid? <laughs> you know, real basic question mm-hmm. here. Like if you were, if you were the kid who loved to play soccer, like maybe start there. Or if you were the kid who loved to just jam out on a guitar, maybe start there. Um, but the other part of it too, and, and I think this is probably why we don't play as much as adults is because, um, we're not encouraged to do, to do that together. Um, the thing that makes it really mm-hmm. easy to play as a kid is because you're always surrounded by other kids, you know, and, and that's how we communicate. It's how we share. It's how we connect. So, um, the other part of it could be, especially if you are feeling a bit like dorky or nervous about it, <laughs> it's like, what group could you join? Um, or could you get a, mm-hmm. like a couple of your friends together, um, each week? Um, and what I, what I used to do, um, and I'm trying to reboot now that, uh, COVID's chilling out a little bit is I used to run these art nights where I would just say to people, look from, from six till set, six till 9 PM on a Thursday, just come over. I've got a bunch of different materials. There's paper. You don't have to bring anything and just sit and draw and, and doodle and, you know, and just like, you know, just put pen to paper. Um, and what I found is that when I did that, the conversations that we would have was so profound because we're, we're kind of not thinking, we're not actively consciously front brain thinking about what we're saying or the kind of person that we're trying to present to the rest of the group. We're just, because our hands are busy, it kind of frees up other parts of your brain to, you know, express and release and, and think about things you haven't thought about in forever. So I think it's, it's, it's partly experimentation. It's, it's partly accountability. So having some people with you, but then also, yeah, having a little time to reflect and go, well, when am I, when, when have I been at my happiest? When have I felt like I've been more playful? Um, And then trying to recreate that as much as you can. Mm, So fun. I, yeah, I love that idea of that, like arts and crafts night. Um, I'm trying to think of like, how can we do this virtually with all the listeners of the podcast or with my membership? Like, how do you yeah, absolutely. play together in a way? That's like, what a fun challenge to think about. Absolutely. And I think, I think we're all craving it, right? We've just spent, you know, two and a half years essentially in isolation. Um, and I, and that, that fundamental human need to create doesn't go away just because someone said you have to stay inside. Um, and, and, you know, the evidence was, you know, the proof is in the pudding is that what was, what were things that people did in lockdown, they baked bread, they did DIY, you know, like we made things because that's what we do. It's so, so fundamental to who we are. Um, and I, I just mentioned it just popped into my head, but the other thing you can do, um, which is a really simple way to play is board games, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. online gaming. Like, I mean, I'm a little, I I used to be like a a super nerdy gamer when I was a kid. Like I was like a Nintendo girl, like ride or die. Um, (laughs) But even something like that, you know, picking up those hobbies that you had as a kid um, that were more around, literally around game, gaming and playing um, could be a really easy way to get into it if you're feeling a bit nervous. 
I think there's a really interesting parallel to what we're talking about um, when it comes to content. So you're just talking about um, the pandemic. When the pandemic really hit and we were all inside, what did we do? Like most of us found ourselves, or many of us found ourselves like exploring new creative hobbies, like baking or picking up a new craft. I know of a lot of people who started their creative businesses during the pandemic Mm. because they actually started playing with something new and realized they love it and that they could sell it and make a business out of it. Um, I think it reminds me of content creation because many of us, when it comes to content, whether it's social media or podcast content or blogs or whatever, we tend to just by default be in consumption mode. Mm. Like we're, we're reading or seeing what everyone else is doing and it can be hard to create. And maybe the parallel that I'm drawing is like, you know, I can think of times in my life where like, it was easier for me to just like sit on the couch and watch TV (laughs) or read book after book than actually to like put the effort in to create something. Yeah. And I see myself doing that less so now, but like in the past with creating content where I wanted to like read what everyone else said about how to create content and just look at everyone else's content. And that kind of stopped me from actually creating my own content. So if anyone listening is in that kind of phase of like, they're not, I don't know, they maybe have a desire to be creating things, whether it's content or whatever, but they're not really doing it. Mm. Do you have any advice for them? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. And I, you know, to be fair, I love a good Netflix and chill session. Like I am super guilty <laughs> of being the couch potato. So I just want to say like, I don't, I'm not going to demonize that. There's a time and place. Uh, but if you're at that point, right. if you're at that point where you're just like, oh, I feel a bit guilty. I've been doing this for probably too long. Um, what I would suggest is to start small um, because fundamentally creativity is about self-expression. Um, it's about what do you want to say? You know, and I think I think you're right. You, you hit the nail on the head there when you said, you know, because we are, you know, we're either afraid to express ourselves because we think that people won't like it or we might get rejected. Um, so we look externally for the answers without stopping and, and first listening to actually what do I think? What's happening in my life? And a friend of mine and I were going on this big rant the other day <laughs> because we're we're kind of seeing people dip um, into the more, into the tactics, into the education, into the the what and the how. Um, and we've really moved away from the why or even just even just sharing our story because, you know, on a, at a real base level too, we, yes, yes, we are creative beings, but we also connect through story. So some of the questions that you might like to answer if you are getting a bit stuck around what to create is what can't you stop thinking about right now? I mean, that's going to change. Like if you were just to answer that question once a week, that would give you so much content because then it's you sharing your mm. perspective on the things that you're really interested in. And I don't know, like I actually watched, um, I don't know if you watched if you've, or how, if you've seen Taylor Swift's commencement speech that she did the other day at NYU. Um, one of her, one of her, I have not. Oh, it's fantastic. But one of her points that she says is that um, like, don't be afraid to be enthusiastic. And I think people, mm-hmm. um, I think we, we kind of look at, um, enthusiasm as a bit cringe, but, uh, but, but mm-hmm. people get excited when you're excited. And so I'm not talking about 
faking it or putting it on or whatever. But it's about thinking about, you know, in my life that's happening, you know, beyond the computer screen, what am I obsessed about? What can't I stop thinking about? What was a conversation that I had with a friend that made me laugh? Like, what are the things that make me belly laugh? And sharing those stories, Mm -hmm. you know, because you can always draw parallels back to your work. But the thing is, is that people, um, people need to know you and like you and trust you in order to buy from you. And one of the fundamental ways to do that is through story. So um, we tend to overcomplicate it thinking that other people, um, other people care about the mechanics of what we do. Like for me as a copywriter, I used to think, oh, yeah, people really care about tone of voice and they want to know how to do that. It's like, well, no, actually, they just want to know how to sound like themselves. And so the way, the easiest way for them to be able to do that is for me to show them how I sound like myself. So rather than telling everybody, this is how a tone of voice is created, I could just talk in a particular tone of voice um, and experiment and play with that and be like, this is me being really quirky. This is me being really serious, you know? So people learn through that, Mm -hmm. through those examples and through your experimentation, but also through your story. Um, and so, yeah, so we were going, my friend and I were going on this rant the other day, um, because we're, we miss the story. Like I'm not connecting with a lot of people online right now because I just, I, they're not telling me a story. They're not walking me through that journey of like, what was the obstacle? How did I overcome it? Like, um, what kind of person did I become as a result of this experience? You know, and, and you can really lean on the hero's journey for that if you want to as well. Um, which is a really great uh, model for um, telling a good story. Because um, and, and it is. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna. I was just gonna prompt you on that for anyone who doesn't know about the hero's journey. What is that, and how could people start using that? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not an expert in it by any means, but my, from my understanding, it's it's this idea of this quest that you go on through life. Essentially, you know, you hear you're going about your daily life and then you get that call to adventure and that might be like an actual opportunity. It could be something happens in your life and it forces you to change. Um, And the start of the hero's journey is whether or not you accept the call to adventure. And so if you do, if you are brave enough to accept that call to adventure, you start out on your journey. And, you know, the story is about who it's about, who you meet along the way. The, the people that help you, the people that challenge you, the mentors or the, um, you know, the, the wizards and things that, that guide you on your journey. Um, and then it's about what you learn along the way. And it kind of culminates in this um, big epiphany or this giant aha moment. You know, if you think about Lord of the Rings, it's like when you, when you reach the end of the process um, and you complete the mission um, and then closing the loop for that is like you then go back to your village and you share what you know, you teach what you've learned. And so that's essentially that that hero's journey from start to finish. And it's applicable to so many different things in life. And it's really useful in a business context because it's it shows people, um, it shows people that you are up for the adventure and it also helps you teach what you know. And I think there's so much value um, that's that lays dormant in each of us because we focus too much on the tactics and the strategies and not enough on the lived experience and what we know to be true. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm advocating for essentially with, with, with the work that I do around creativity. It's like, how can, how come, and my particular focus is how can we take the really challenging and painful experiences of our lives 
um, and transmute them into something that will actually make the world a, world a better place. And that's what I'm really obsessed with at the moment. Yeah, I I know that you have something called spiraling up. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, how long have you got? I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Forever. We're, we're, we're going to be here for a while. No, just kidding. Um, so uh, this concept of spiral up is really around, it was something that came to me during the pandemic, the, the actual phrase, but it's this process of using creativity to help us, to bolster us against trauma and against life's challenges. Um, and so a lot of my research is in um, the relationship between post-traumatic growth and the creative process. And so I'll start, I'll start with the end in mind. What I'm trying to put together at the moment is like a course, a creative container kind of thing where I teach you how to do that, how this, I teach you what this idea of spiral up is um, and how to use creativity as self-care. But um, this concept of post-traumatic growth, which I'm still surprised a lot of people haven't heard about, um, it's essentially the uh, more optimistic, positive cousin of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And in the literature, um, what uh, particularly in psychology, um, PTSD, uh, that is your downward spiral. So it's really the intrusive ruminative thinking. It is the repeating of the trauma. It's incredibly, incredibly damaging to um, well-being and mental health. And you often see people who've been through really, really significant traumas. Um, they may even, the first thing that may happen is that they may experience that PTSD. Um, but the other really interesting thing that's happened and that they, that researchers have noticed and have, and have started studying over the last 10 to 15 years is that there's a certain percentage of people, like say, say for example, uh, a plane crash happens and there's like, you know, 50 people on on the plane. Um, maybe like maybe 35 of them will experience PTSD. Uh, but then there's those other 15 that actually um, they still feel all the trauma. They still feel all the same uh, emotions and the significance of the event. But rather than going into that downward spiral, the that that ruminative thinking, the the repeated trauma, they actually go the opposite way, and they not only start, they they pass through resilience, um, they bounce back, they then go on to thrive, and they become a totally different person from where they were at the start. And this is that process of that upward spiral, um, and it's so mm. it's so fascinating to me, and I've always been interested in that, mostly because of my background and what I went through as a kid growing up essentially on the poverty line with an alcoholic mother. And there were so many opportunities for me to take that PTSD, that downward spiral, but I didn't. And I've, and, you know, I've gone on to um, move more into this work, to be more of a, a, a better person to society, basically. Um, and so when I was doing my PhD research, I kind of went into it with this question of like, why do some people go on to thrive and not fall apart? And so my thesis was really around, um, for me, uh, it was about creativity. I had access to creative thinking, creative resources, which is what allowed me to not only um, create my way out of that really tough situation, but because I had that creative experience, um, I was able to imagine a future that was so far removed from where I was, and it gave me something to point myself towards. So if I think about my imagination and what I pictured for my life, it was the top of the spiral. And so I always had something that was pushing me up and pulling me forward. 
Um, but in the mm. yeah, and in the literature, um, they talk about um, this is researchers Tadeshi and Calhoun. For those who are interested, um, they're based in the US. There are five um, five domains of post traumatic growth, which uh, essentially there's a post traumatic growth. Um, questioned questionnaire. It's an inventory that people can take to see whether or not they are on a growth trajectory after trauma. And there are five particular ways that post-traumatic growth tends to show up in in people's lives. Um, And they are, the first one is appreciation of life. So people that go through these traumatic events tend to, um, and experience growth, they tend to appreciate, have a broader appreciation for the magnificence of life thinking things like wonder and awe and gratitude. Two, they have a sense, Mm. a strong sense of their own personal strength. So they understand that they are a person of agency and that they can get themselves out of this. Three, their relationships tend to deepen or change and um, significantly change um, for the better. Um, Four, uh, there's like a spiritual or existential change, which is all around meaning. So they start to think more broadly around like, why am I here? They ask all those big questions like, what do I want this experience that I've been through to mean? You know, do I want it to be something that holds me back or pushes me forward? Um, and then the fifth one is new possibilities, is that they they recognize that there is there is another way, that that life is working for them, not against them, that there is um, a brighter future for them um, beyond the traumatic experience that they went through. So they don't let it, um, they don't sit and stew in the trauma itself. And that's what I love so much about this concept is post-traumatic growth is not about the trauma. It's not about what happened, but it's about the struggle with integrating that experience into your life um, in a more positive way. I love that. That's going to be very needed, this course (laughs) on, you know, how to, how to spiral up like you say I love that term yeah it's it's Um, it's a it kind of encapsulates the feeling as well and and what I love about it too is it's not promising I'm not promising you this is an overnight journey because the one thing I love about if you if you picture a spiral you know it's a mm -hmm. it's an ascending um cone shape so um and it moves really slowly like you're not going from zero to a hundred um, in, you know, overnight, it's about, it's about that next logical step. It's about iterative progress because growth is really slow. You know, this is not, it's not a quick, yeah. it's not quick wins. It's really, it's really it's not linear. Yeah. It's not linear. It is, it is constantly moving. And sometimes, you know, if you are, if you've been through something quite significant, um, you might, it might feel like your spiral, your spiral that is spiraling up that, it, that the, um, What's the word of that thing? The, the diameter, that's it. You might feel like <laughs> words. Um, the di- you might feel like the diameter of the spiral is really wide and you f- it might feel like you're going backwards because of how, how, how wide the circle is that you're traveling. Um, but we never do go backwards when we are on the, on the growth trajectory for post-traumatic growth. Um, and r- another really interesting thing that they found in the research is that um, people who experience post-traumatic growth once, um, the next trauma that they go through, or the next um, life event that happens, it it actually doesn't knock them right down to the ground again. There is like some form of protection. So they talk in the in the mm. literature about post-traumatic growth is a shield. So once you've experienced it, kind of like, you know, I don't want to draw parallels 
too broadly, but kind of like a vaccine. You know, it's like you're, <laughs> you're still going to catch the thing. You're still going to, you know, you're still going to, life is still going to throw things at you, but you have that extra layer of protection for when it does happen. Yeah. Mm, that's really beautiful. You'll have to keep us all posted on when this work is, more of this work is out. Um, you got it. Okay. I have a few more questions about creativity yes. and then we will start to wrap up. Cause I'm, I'm realizing we've talked already for a while. It's just <laughs> such a good topic. Um, I'm just curious, like what is your personal creative process and like what, how does creativity show up maybe in any kind of routine or yeah. Yeah. What does it show up like in your day-to-day life? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, um, I am proudly a people pleaser, <laughs> um, and a recovering people pleaser. So I'm trying to, trying to work with that, um, through, you know, going to a therapist and figuring you out. You said proudly a people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud to have a history of being a people pleaser. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll phrase it that way. <laughs> um, but, um, so one of the things that I've always struggled with is prioritizing my own creativity, um, despite also working, um, as a copywriter, initially when I was working as a copywriter, um, it suited me really greatly because it wasn't my voice, it was someone else's business, you know, I could hide behind other people's um, ideas and I could just help them bring them to life. I was still being creative, right? Um, but the problem that I started started to um, to realize, especially when I started my own business, is that because of the people-pleasing, I had a tendency to put everyone else before myself, uh, both in business and, mm-hmm. and in life. And so when I started to read a little bit more about um, why people do that and, and ways to, to circumvent that, um, it came down to the really simple things. So for me, it's how I design my day is that I have to front load it with everything that I'm passionate about first. Um, and then, and then clients and the business and everything else comes after that. So people in my life know that, um, from the second I wake up till about midday, I'm never going to be available because that's my, that's my time. That's Mm. my peak time for doing the things that I'm passionate about, whether that's, you know, talking about creativity on a podcast, whether it's writing poetry, which that practice is solidified in me. I do 30 minutes every single day, no matter what. And so I think it's about having, um, cause, uh, yeah, one of the, one of my mentors is this incredible guy called father Bronx. So I'm going to give him a shout out. He has an amazing podcast called make art, not content. And what he says, mm. he said to me a number of times is your self-esteem is always watching. And so what he means by that is if you tell yourself that I want to, I want to be, you know, I want to do this content. I want to create this digital product. I want to do this painting and you don't do it. You are giving yourself evidence for um, taking a hit to your self-esteem. So the way that I counteract that is by, yeah, I front load my day. So I make sure that I take full care of all of my needs first. Um, And so I, you know, I'll meditate, I'll go to the gym. I will do, I'll spend at least 30 minutes um, working on my craft, which could be writing content. It's writing the poems. Um, and and that what that does is that I t- I'm telling myself that I matter and that I am important. And so that's really how um, I view it because I view, I view creativity as a daily practice. It's not something that I mm-hmm. um, will, will schedule uh, like two hours a week for like on a Thursday. <laughs> Um, this is something that is so 
so ingrained in me and something that I believe in so much that it filters through everything. So um, even down to how I write my emails, even down to the kind of social content I put out, I try as much as I can to make it as me as possible. Um, But also a part of Mm -hmm. that, which I mentioned before, is like I've spent a lot of time really getting to know myself um, and I've been journaling um, every, um, pretty much every single day since I was like eight years old. And so I have this, yeah, it's so freaky. Um, I have this backlog of, um, of history that I can dip, dip in and dip out of to, to just double check and be like, is this really for me? Cause I have the evidence. Right. And so, um, I, I think that is, that's probably key to my ability to be able to recognize when I'm not performing as, as much, as well as I'd like creatively is because I haven't done, I either haven't put myself first, I haven't journaled, I haven't meditated, I haven't stopped to listen to myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's usually where a lot of the resistance and blocks come from. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, but at the end of the day, I'm also human and there's only so much that I can do. Um, But I have found that that's been the biggest game changer is just literally, metaphorically, literally, figuratively, putting myself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as, as I was listening to you talk a little bit earlier, the word that was coming to mind was like boundaries. Mm. And this is before I even asked this question, but like, I feel like in order to have a really strong creative practice or routine or I don't know, whatever it is, like to have really have creativity be part of your day and play I think in the current like world we live in as an adult, it requires a lot of boundaries. Like, you know, to stop letting everything else run the show and actually say, no, this is important to me. And it's worth, you know, taking the hour, the half an hour, the 20 minutes, whatever it is. And like, I love that reminder. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's not easy, especially at the start. It feels, um, especially if you do, are on the side of more people pleasing um you you are going to have to let some people down but the 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 best news the best part about that is they're actually they're actually not thinking about you at all (laughs) people you know as much as we were we would want to believe that people care about us and they do they're not actively thinking about us as much as we are thinking about ourselves and how we spend our time so um Mm -hmm. I think understanding that um you set the tone but with everybody in your life, uh, just as much as they do. And I'm not talking about being an asshole about it and being like, you can't talk to me between this hours and that, but it's just about communicating why it's important to the people around you. And so like having that conversation, you know, with your partner and saying, in order for me to show up and be present with you, I have to show up and be present uh, with myself first. Um, this is why I do that because it allows me to be able to give more to you. Um, framing it in those ways in, in, and commun- in almost over communicating that particularly to your clients too. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to use an auto email responder saying, Hey, listen, I, um, I'm, I'm spending, you know, this hour working on my creative practice and, and, you know, getting better at my craft in order so I can deliver better work for you. Um, and I always like to tack onto those things you know, a little reminder and say, maybe this is the sign that you need to do the same. And I always get so many great responses of people being like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize I, 
I was just running on autopilot and that maybe I need to take a step back and, you know, do something for me. So I think, um, yeah, we set the tone for how, how creative we want our lives to be. Um, and it doesn't have to be an either or it's an and. So you doing that time is not taking it away from your work. It's, it's setting you up for success in all other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Love. <laughs> um, there's something I have on my notes, which I did want to make sure to touch on, which is how to finish a creative project. So I feel like a lot of times the starting, well, starting things can be hard, but it can also, for me at least, maybe it's certain types of people, I'm very good at starting things and finishing is less fun to me. So what do you have to say on this topic of like, I guess, follow through and finishing creative projects? Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's a big one. And I see this, um, I mean, often, oftentimes that's purely why I'm hired as a copywriter is because somebody started something or someone said, hey, mm-hmm. you need this. And they have this thing that they need to do, but they either just don't have the time or um, they just they just haven't prioritized it. And so um, I think it's a case of, there, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Probably the, the most powerful um, tool for finishing a creative project is accountability. So, um, and, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. like you don't need somebody to sit in the trenches, trenches with you, but if you've started something, um, tell somebody that you trust, say, hey, this is the project that I've just started. This is the thing I want to bring to life. Can you just once a week, can you just call me and ask me how it's going? You know, I mean, this is, I mean, honestly, this is why I think coaching has taken off so much is because we need that accountability. We need people, we need the external world to not distract us as much as we want it to support us and encourage us. So where possible, like join the accelerator programs, like do the six week intensive, you know, um, it'll help keep you on track because even if you are, and I see this a lot with other creatives, it's like, I want to be free and like, I'm waiting for the inspiration and, you know, oh, like it's all very, it's all very wishy-washy, but at the end of the day, our brains are trying to keep us safe and doing something new, like trying to learn something new is very dangerous to the brain. <laughs> I, I mean, and I mean that in like a, your brain will try to stop you from doing it um, to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So um create that, stru- if you can get somebody else to create that structure for you by joining something, perfect. Um, if you don't, or you just, or that doesn't like sound appealing to you. Um, the way that I get around it is that I just, I time block the time. So it's not about, um, it's not about the to-do list, but it's about creating the space to do the thing. Um, and it, and, and it's got to be repeatable and it's got to be consistent. So even if that, um, Looks, it might look like for you like an hour on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And you do that until the until the process is done. Um, and if you hit a block along the way, then you reach out and ask for it. You ask for some kind of accountability from people. Um, but the other part about finishing too is it's like how do I know when something is finished? Um, and mm-hmm. And for me, the way that I do that, it's a bit of a gut feel, but it's also like, I actually have nothing else to say about this. <laughs> it's usually, that's usually when I know, like if I look at something and go, I can't find any other errors. I can't find any, um, any like, uh, like unfinished ideas. Like to me, it looks like c- kind of complete. That's the moment when you've got to pull the trigger and just release it to the world and let it go. 
because the problem is like Mm -hmm. I think we tend to hold things in because we are either afraid it won't be received or um you know we might be afraid of being seen but that project is not finished until you share it with someone or the world or whatever um and I find that until you do that, it will take up most of your bandwidth <laughs> um, in both good mm-hmm. and bad ways. Um, so where you can, I think um, sharing, as, sharing as much of the process will help you get over that last hump. So as I'm creating, as I'm putting together Spiral Up, I'm going to be recording little, like little videos of myself talking about it, um, talking through my sticking points, um, just trying to... Um, really immerse myself and love that process so much so that by the time I get to the end of it, um, it's a no brainer to me that it will be ready and people will understand where it's come from and why it's existed. And we live in a time where it's so easy to do that now. Like it's actually, and Mm -hmm. I think that that social media and particularly like Instagram and TikTok are really useful tools to help us finish things because when people are watching that journey and watching that story, they will naturally become your accountability buddy. And they'll be like, oh, that thing that you were working on, that painting, like, is it done yet? So like just, yeah. just by sharing, you immediately create the buy-in from people. Um, yeah. But also too, like totally. if, you are, if you end up creating something, whether it's like a course or a product or even content, if you get to the end of it and you're just like, this is garbage, I'm not excited about it, just throw it in the bin. Like you're always going to have more ideas. There's always going to be more words. There's more content. Like you never run out of, of creativity, but if you are not at at the end of it, if you are not like chomping at the bit to share this with people, the chances are it's probably not that great. And you probably should just throw it in the bin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to do that. I just want to give you permission. It's like, it's okay to just be like, uh, I'm not into this now. And then just throw it away or just shelve it. Right. Just like pop it in the, I will use this at some point later and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, and I feel like being creative is not just about the end product, you know, like your time was still valid and worthwhile to be, you know, if it was a painting I was working on, like it's still valuable that I made the painting, even if ultimately I just recycle it because I didn't love it. Yeah, absolutely. I still get something out of it. For sure. For sure. And my, um, whenever I think about whenever I'm at the start of a creative project, I sort of think about this saying that I heard, which is hold the vision and trust the process because creativity really comes to life when you are in the process. It is the start and the end are like, are both like like 5% of the whole thing, but the, the juice, Mm -hmm. the magic is in the making. And so if you are constantly thinking about the product at the end, and I see this with my creativity coaching clients all the time, they will come to me and they will say, Marion, I'm trying to make this digital workbook. I want to make this workbook, but I'm stuck. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you've focused too much on the product and not the process. So it's like, what do you want to say? What's the goal? what are the materials, you know? And so it's about not putting the horse before the cart. And I think that's often what trips us up when it comes to finishing things is that we fixated so much on the end that we actually haven't allowed ourselves to actually even experience the process. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's, a, you know, it's the, it's yeah. the creative process, you know, not the creative 
painting or whatever you know so it's like mm-hmm. and, and there's there are steps that you can go through um and, I mean you could google it too if you if you're still a bit uncertain about your own creative process there's so many different models out there that you can follow and, and adopt and make your own and that's something that I'm really interested in helping people discover too because um you have to make it your own um and it has to be something that works within your lifestyle and your business goals and your life goals um otherwise you won't do it so yeah yeah So good. Um, Okay, before we go into the questions that I ask all of the guests on this podcast, do you have any like final tips or guidance or uh, action steps for folks who are listening who want to incorporate a little more creativity into their lives or businesses or both? Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is um, writing down that I, I am creative, that having that mantra, just starting with something really simple um, and and starting to believe it and adopt it as a way of looking at the world, um, I think makes it a lot easier to then um, experiment and try new things. Um, but equally know that uh, you have time, you know, and I think when you're in business, there is this like, I don't know about you, but I, there's like this little clock ticking in like almost like a bomb clock ticking in my head of like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, you know, like I'm on, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of bizarre reality show. Um, but when it comes to creativity, <laughs> um, you have time, there is space, you know, that um, you, you have the energy, you have the skills, you have the tools. Um, what you create is so specific to you. And I think, um, taking it like just taking a beat and 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 thinking about what actually do I do I love what are the things I'm interested in um how how do I want to connect with people you know and and using those kinds of questions um to begin um I think will allow it to be a much more organic process that's not so fixated on the artistry or the product at the end yeah love Hmm. So good. I feel like I just could keep <laughs> oh, it's, it's your brain best. about this forever. It's the best. <laughs> it's such a good topic. And like so many things that you're saying, I'm just sort of noticing, like even as we're talking, I'm like, I have my notebook in front of me and it is like absolute nonsense <laughs> and there's color all over and doodles and like, I'm not even trying, but I'm like, you're so right. We, we just do create yeah. kind of like instinctively without even knowing and tapping into that as much as possible. Just, it does feel good. So. And like, and like, let it, and like, let it be exciting. Let it, let, let yourself like feel that energy and, and dip into wonder and awe and beauty. And like that stuff is really dorky, but it's also really magical, you know? And, and mm-hmm. that's that, you know, we, you know, a lot of people talk about the childlike wonder and I think that's a big part of creativity and of, and of having it be something um, that exists out of space and time. You know, it's not something that you need to um, necessarily schedule, but it can be also be an energy that you bring into everything that you do. So I love that you're taking notes and coloring and drawing and, you know, you're right. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so within reach and you're closer than you think. It's just about allowing yourself mm-hmm. to, to think like that and to be that way. Yeah, and to um, accept things as creative, aside from like painting or sculpting or you know, yeah, 
the sort of stereotypical fine art things yeah. that we have in our head. Yeah, and I guess the question is, is, you know, that you can ask yourself, even if you're sitting at a desk doing invoices, it's like, what if this was creative? Like, like what would mm-hmm. what would change if I looked at this as something that is a creative act, you know, and, and giving yourself permission to explore that fully. Yeah. Love, mm. love, love, love. Okay. Um, we're... This is going to be a long episode, but I know that <laughs> folks are going to be into it. So I'm not apologizing. And I'm so glad that I got to talk to you for an hour about creativity. Let's wrap up with a couple of questions that I get to ask all of the guests on this podcast. The first is, how do you approach doing good through your small business? Mm, yeah, I was, I'm reflecting. I've been reflecting on this a little bit lately, um, and I mean, there are the there are the obvious ones, which are the monetary um, donations. And you know, I my business, um, I, I donate to Greenpeace, and I donate to pay the rent, which is for um, you know Aboriginal communities here in Australia. Um, and I mean, and those those feel really good, but for me, I'm like that's a non negotiable because. Like if I am a person who is generating income, I truly believe that a certain percentage of that should just go back to supporting society. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's just like a non-negotiable for me. Um, But what I like to think about um, is particularly around creativity is it's um, how can I, how can I be the person that people feel safe around to safe and comfortable around to fully be their most creative selves. So what that looks like for me is really trying to pinpoint in every interaction is like, how can I help this person understand that the, what they're doing in the world um, is valuable, is worthwhile, is interesting, and that is exciting. And so um, I think my version of doing good um, is definitely around relationships and connection um, and, and allowing people mm-hmm. to I'm giving people the space to express themselves. So it's about asking, it's like asking those, you know, those big questions and maybe the difficult questions and um, paving the way for that change because, um, you know, I really, really enjoy the work of um, Dr. Gabor Mate who has some really interesting perspectives on trauma Um, and he comes from the perspective that everybody has experienced trauma and it is through our trauma that we can sort of grow and um, that's where a lot of the issues in society stem from. And so um, when I'm doing good, I like to assume that I have no idea what somebody has been through and so I'm not going to project onto them um, how I think they should act. Um, I'm not going to try and um, interpret their actions in a particular way. You know, I'm just going to try and accept the person before me as, as who they are and and I'm also going to assume that they are tr- that they're good too you know and I think you know we are in a in, we, we live in a culture of blame where it's so much easier to blame everything and everyone for what's going on um but when really I think fundamentally we are good people and we're trying to do the best we can but maybe there's some things that we haven't felt safe enough to express that prevent us from actually being that good person so yeah that, I suppose that's how I kind of approach this idea of doing good yeah that's a great answer. Um, what is one small business that you admire? Ooh, oh, this is great. 
um, a small business that I admire. Okay, there is this incredible uh, creative brand here in Australia called Cropped. Uh, I think I believe they're available in the US as well. I'm not sure about Canada, but we'll have to find out. Um, but they <laughs> they are all about um, using creativity as a tool for mental health, so very aligned with me. Um, but they make these incredible at home um, like pottery kits that are, that you don't need to fire in the kiln. Um, they have the most amazing branding um, and I've done like a few of their creative challenges and I just love <clears throat> their whole perspective is just they get, they're getting people to make and to get back in touch with that side of themselves. And yeah, I love that the branding is great. The messaging is great um, and their products are really fantastic too. The way that they're packaged and, um, and delivered is just so nice. So Crocked, which is C-R-O-C-K-D. <laughs> C-R-O-C-K-D. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Fun. That's a new one for me. Yay. Um, what about a book recommendation? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, you know what I'm going to actually tell you about, which I think is on my desk right here. Um, the book that I'm currently reading because, you know, the world is basically in flames. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was looking, I, was, I found myself getting really negative around the political situation and, you know, we've got a federal election that's happening this weekend here in Australia and it's just just awful, like the the conversation around it. And so I am reading this book at the moment called How to Love the World, um, po- Poems of Gratitude and Hope, which is edited by James Cruz with a forward by Ross Gay. And it's just, it's so delightful. <laughs> this is little, mm. this little, and the poems are only like they're super small they're really, really bite-sized and they're all around different topics and they flow together so beautifully. But they're about these moments of just beauty and awe and wonder and love and connection. And it's just really reminding me that at the end of the day, at the center of it all, even if we are, we disagreeing, you know, we're all people and we have the same needs. So we want to love and we want to belong. And so it's it's helping me get a bit better of a perspective on the world at the moment. <laughs> Mm, love mm. love so good so much gold in this conversation Marianne thank you so much for everything uh, I so would love you. for you to tell everyone where they can find you online um connect with you the best ways to connect with you and kind of stay up to date on all of your work and what you're up to yeah yeah so um the moniker of my business name is marion piper creative no shockers there um so marionpipercreative.com same handle on instagram marion piper creative instagram is primarily where i'm lurking um sure you can find me on linkedin if you like i'm also enjoying tiktok um same handle there so uh, but instagram's probably probably the best place and my dms are always open to all these kinds of conversations. So please, please, please reach out. Um, I love meeting new people. Yay. Yes. I will link all those places in the show notes. Um, And yeah, I can't wait to get this episode out to everyone. I think it's such an important and um, fun conversation that we should all be having as much as we can. So I am delighted to have had you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yay for creativity. Thank you so much, Marianne, for having this talk with me. I'm so inspired to go make something. You can get all the details from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash one, two, one. 
I know Marion and I would both love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find Marion at Marion Piper Creative and I'm at Lauren Tilden. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways you can give back to making good. First, I would be honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. Second, if you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, you can send them the link. And third, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. I would love to cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.